Hello there. Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show that brings you all of the up-to-date news, reviews, a little bit of banter, and often some digs at those erstwhile YouTube bugalugs. You know the ones that I'm thinking of, but I'm not naming any names for legal reasons. This is 180. I remember Bullseye, 180. You get your BFH, Buzz <laughs> Fairhome. You get a pen set, you get a speedboat, and you get this lovely tease made for the side <laughs> of your bed. That is right, it's episode 180, and we're going to review the Andor Season 1 finale. It was a tense one, but... Before I do that, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to tell you about our Patreon, because we've simplified it for just three bucks a month. You can choose the light side or the dark side of the force, and you can get special access to the live tapings of these there podcasts, which we are actually live streaming right now to our patrons. And you also get a fancy Spark Rebellion laptop sticker. You can stick it in your fridge. It will cause no damage. If damage is caused, I am not liable for that. It's up to you what you do with that but that's just three bucks per month and you get to feel really good about supporting your favorite podcast and the second thing that i'm gonna do is bring on the man that i call not han solo but han duo because he's always around you cannot shake him that's right it's the rookie or wookie it's the man that puts the backer in chewbacca that's right it's the dada in yoda it is Mr. Gary Allen. All right, dude. That's a is. good one. Thank you very much. Mm. I've got a few there. I know. That's nice. Yeah. Just kept going. Yeah. Going. That's just, that's just you, though. You're like a Duracell battery. Yeah. With the you old know, batteries, actually. Saw that on the old Instagram the other day. I mean, those batteries that you used to have to press, those Duracell ones, to get, like, the power that was left in them, and it used to break your finger trying to do it. And it really was never worth it. Can you remember? Oh, the... Uh, the like you, a, you pinched each end of it, and it's got, like, yeah, a like a power cell oh, yeah. thing yeah yeah bit of a gimmick that wasn't it yeah bit 90s bit 90s you've been doing this week you've had a week off just been pinching mm. all your batteries yep gone through all my batteries that i haven't used in anything see what the power level's like uh pain in the ass though getting rid of batteries you're not supposed to throw them you know in the normal bin you're supposed to find a battery little recycling thing at the supermarket but pain in the ass that so yeah. binned a load of batteries, watched a bit more Star Wars Rebs. What are you um, up to? What are you up to? What are you up to? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm like the the semi semi penultimate <laughs> penultimate mm. episode <laughs> of season mm. one, and I'm very much enjoying. <laughs> I'm very much enjoying it. Thank you very much. So season one's almost done, and uh, yeah, crack on with season. So I'm hoping to get them watched before we break up for Crimbo which will be nice. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about downloading some Battlefront 2. I'm missing that mm. a little bit because I've been playing a lot of uh, the, the, the latest Modern Warfare, which is very cool. Very, very cool. But it's just not Star Wars, obviously. Mm. So I want to be able to shoot people, but I also want to be able to slice people up with the old lightsaber. So I'm thinking about downloading that. I don't know. You have to let us know, dear listener, if there's a, any decent action going on in there. Because I know that games sometimes... They just start to fall off a cliff. Not many people on the servers. You can't get a game, so I'm not sure. I might do. The way you do to anything Star Warsy. It's like me playing football. I can't get a game. 
cannot get a game. It's a nightmare, really, but uh, you know, what can I say? I'm that good. They never wanted to put me on. I You're was, that good, are you? Yeah. yeah. Like a young Paul Scholes. Big time. Big time. Uh, what have I been doing? Uh, um, not that much, actually. Like, Star Wars. I finished that Tales of Jedi and Sith book, which was like average, quite literally squarely in the middle of being average. And uh, I started the Padawan book. Is it, Cur- is it Cursed and White that's written that one? I can't remember. Um, which is like a young, mm. young Obi-Wan who's just become a Padawan, um, which I'm struggling to get into, if I'm yep. honest. But I, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Um, so that's all I've been doing, apart from obviously watching Andor. You know, it's been the big thing this week in Star Wars, hasn't it? And watching Andor. And or, or. up to you. <laughs> Do what you want. <laughs> it's your decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And just let it go free. Jesus. <laughs> and well, on that note, let's review the Andor season one finale. A very, very quick recap. All I it love is. These. Go on. Go on. All it is. All it is. <laughs> Spoilers. All it is. The mum's died. There's a funeral. Right. The Empire, the ISB, you remember Marva? No, she's dead. That's the mum. Right, what's her name? The ISB woman. Miro. Miro, I knew it was something to begin with them. Right, Miro, all it is, <laughs> she tries to capture Andor because she thinks he's going to show up at the old funeral. Now, they have a bit of a sting operation. They set it all up. The funeral kicks off. You've got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You've got a little bit of love tension with Miro and what's his name, Cyril. You've got a little bit of Luthen in the background coming down to pop Andor off and trying to pick his spot. You've got a little bit of drama with Val and really not that much going on with her. And then you've got a lot of tension with Cassian trying to be around the funeral but without being seen and basically just pay his respects. And we've got a little bit of Mon Mothma which we'll talk about in a, in a little while, a very little bit of Mon Mothman. But we've got a lot of rebellion. We've got a lot of inspiration, a lot of motivation, and we see someone unusually doing, I suppose it's not unusual in the Star Wars universe, before she gets turned into a brick, another brick in the wall, we get to see Marva run her own eulogy, which turns into just ultimate inspiration, that little spark of rebellion that we see just incites, well, the local rebellion just discusses, basically just, just talks about how, you know, we talked about it this 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 last few episodes, you know, that the Empire tightening its grip and just losing sort of planet by planet by planet, town by town by town, whatever, you know, at these different levels. And she sort of, I think she sort of, she 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 brings it out and starts to, really vocalize that to her township and say, look, you know, they were passing through and now they're here and now they're making the rules and now they're telling us what we can and can't do and we shouldn't stand for that shit. You know, she she if she was inspired by Cassian's break on 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 the um the Imperial credits and that big heist that they pulled off, which then in turn inspired her to inspire everyone else. So it was quite a nice little thing. And we got a cute little ending, which we'll talk about where it's it's basically Luthen getting trapped to his own shit by Cassian and uh, Cassian telling him to either kill him or take him in. And that's the cliffhanger. Clearly not a cliffhanger. Um, which I think has divided a few people. But yeah, it was it was weird because it was 
in terms of episodes, there was so much going on. And if you, if you were looking at this with a real glass half empty, there's not that much going on. But it was just, it was, it was just a big episode in terms of logistics. You know, the funeral scenes and everything, which we'll get to. Um, so a fascinating episode. I'm going to ask you for your short review and then your score out of 10 before we get into the details, dude. Rightio. So straight off the bat, dude, nine and a half. Straight out the traps. Nine and a half for me, dude. This was um, this was some of the best storytelling and some of the best insightful storytelling in the wider saga, I guess, that we've seen, I think, in, in any in any TV show, film or whatever. It really was a, a brilliant moment that made you made you think and give you a, a bigger appreciation for the size of the of the galaxy and the story uh, if you've only seen the films. So if you're the if you've only seen the Star Wars films and and or was your first dipping your toe into watching something else to do with Star Wars, then what a great way to get an introduction to what's happening in and around Leia and you know the the build up into into Rogue One and stuff. So, listener, if you're the sort of person that is like that, then absolutely, when this is all done, absolutely go and watch Star Wars Rebels. Go and do that, because that's got a load of other stuff as well that all links into into what's going in terms of these um, early early sparks of, of what's going on with the rebellion. And that was what was so great for me was that that whole funeral scene and the build up where the ISB had thought or the empire had thought that they had come to an agreement with the, the people on Ferrix, And they were like, yeah, we've pushed the funeral time back. They're doing as they're told. They didn't do that. They went off when they wanted to. Anyway, they knew that they was going to get a little bit of tension there and a bit of a kickback. And, uh, and then that speech that you mentioned with, um, with Marva, when the, when a B2 emo does the whole massive big uh, projection and her speech just, and that's what I mean by it's great to witness these other things that are going on because rewind a decade, the only people that you knew that or you thought that were responsible for the rebellion was people like Bail Organa and uh, Leia and all those people. So to see somebody like um, like Marva just really hammer home the message, and I think there was a bit more impact because it was her sort of pre-death speech that she had recorded. I think that carried a bit more weight to it. So people thought, actually, if she's willing to say this um, all the time, but then also willing to have this broadcast in front of the Empire and the ISB, then that must hold some weight. So that was just, that whole scene, that whole build-up was amazing. Like, fucking brilliant to watch that. And then, like you said, all these little bits that were going on around it. Uh, with Andor on the down-low, he's incognito, obviously you know, can't be captured. Uh, and then you've got um, uh, Cyril Khan, who's also there to try and impress Miro. And, you know, he knows that Andor's going to be there as well. Everyone's looking for him. So, yeah, it was all good how the pieces all came together. And, um, yeah, so I, I thought it was such a brilliant episode, dude, and a great way to finish up the first season. And it was a bit of a, a springboard rather than a cliffhanger, I would say, into season two. Yeah. What about you, mate? I was literally going to score that half a point less than you only because I didn't think to do a half point. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It's a nine, nine and a half for me for, for the same reason. I think it was one of those episodes where everything was so carefully put into place so that the last 15, 20 minutes were so tense. Um, 
and, and there were so many interesting parallels as well to other Star Wars things. The fact that it's normally the Empire or the Senate that we see, not necessarily physically projected, although that often is the case with the Holonet and, and the Emperor, but, you know, metaphorically projected as being the power and then suddenly to see just a normal person projected to such a great height and, and just that real, that symbolism of that and the, the way that that was used versus it normally being, you know, the people of genuine kind of um, power within within the government or the empire or whatever, you know, to show just a normal person being projected to that physical height and having that amount of power over the people around her through, you know, positive inspiration, I thought was a really nice parallel. Um, and it was, it, it, I've been reflecting on this because I think, you know, when you think about, like you look on the Star Wars forums or whatever on, on, on Facebook and so on, and like Star Wars fans are just never happy. There's some absolute right plonkers <laughs> on there. You know, right. it's like, oh, and you are wrong if you like Ando. It's like, no, it's cool because everyone can have their own opinion. Like that's, that's like the cool thing about life. Just shut up. And I think what's interesting <laughs> about it is that, a lot of those people that are complaining didn't like it because of the pace. But then because of the pace of it, you were able to get to know each character and feel for each type of character. And that's what made the finale so good is that it was almost, it's, it, it had that Breaking Bad vibe to it where it was so slow and the same with Sopranos and anything else. It was so slow in building the characterizations that when things happened to the characters, you, it, you genuinely enjoyed watching it for the cause and the effect. Whereas, you know, do we give a shit about Phasma? <laughs> like, you know, who gives a shit? So it was, it was one of those things that I thought was really, it really benefited from Disney Plus and it really benefited from Tony Gilroy. Um, and I said it before, like Rogue One was a, a tough recent watch for me. I rewatched it, and I, I, it was. Don't get me wrong; it's brilliant. But I was like, ah, it's not got the shine that it had before because I know it's going to be gritty. I know sort of what to expect. I'll still enjoy it, but I know it's. I'm not going to be surprised by the realism or the sacrifice or all that other stuff that I was surprised by. Now I'm like, holy shit! I've got to watch Andor. Uh, got to watch Rogue One again because I'll look at Cassian differently. You know, even down to him having the the manifesto on his on his shirt on his coat, which is a unbelievably reverse engineered detail you know it, it just there was no reason for that to be thought of um so yeah i thought it was brilliant man i thought it was very well done and we'll get to some of the specifics in a bit but um while we're streaming this live for our patrons uh kevin's just commented kevin mullen one of our amazing uh our amazing patrons just said ando has been the most consistently enjoyable thing since the sequels Utterly grounded, tense, and exciting. If you take away the science fiction elements and relocate it to pre-World War II Germany or modern-day Russia or North Korea, the story still works. And absolutely, I know we both wholeheartedly agree on that because that is what has made it feel like Star Wars, but for me, like the prequels, you know, that subterfuge of of the mm. emperor and, 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 and the political elements with Mon Mothma, you know, you, you, you it's almost like now you've, we've been given this layer of, well, here's what the real people are dealing with. You know, here's the grandiose political, the emperor, ooh, grand, big Jedi, you know, senators, big, 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 and then the day to day, you know, so there was a lot of nice bits in it as well. Um, so yeah, I thought it was brilliant, man. And it, it leaves me with very high hopes 
for season two, which I think has got a slightly different format with the time jumps and so on, but we'll talk about that separately. Um, so let's let's pick out a couple of bits, dude. Do you know what? I'm going to jump right to the end. Actually, right to the end. The post-credits. Did you see oh, okay. the post-credits? Did we clock the Death Star, and, and in particular the making the... Uh, the laser refractor. Um, so the uh, it was basically the, the little you know the little spokes that were Andor and everyone were making on uh, Nakina seven or five whatever it is. They were the spokes that held together the um, the panels that then refracted all yeah the, you know the Death Star refracts lasers into one big laser and then shoots the shit out mm. of planets. It, they were making mm. the joints for those panels, which I thought was a pretty cool. We knew it was going to be something like that. We thought I thought it might be TIE fighter docking or whatever because of the shape, but for it to be that particular thing, I thought was brilliant because that's the damn thing that kills Cassian. You know, it's that it's, yeah. he's not making like a walkway for the Death Star <laughs> or like a panel, or he's not making like something else for the Death Star. He's making the specific bit that wipes him out. I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, there's a bit of sad irony in 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 that isn't there where he's in prison to make the very thing or contribute to the very thing that's uh ultimately wipes him out so yeah that's that was a lovely moment and um yeah i remember us talking about that on the episode that very first one where he gets imprisoned and uh i remember asking you so do you reckon this is like some these like bits on the death star and you're like could be it's either that or it's like the tie fighter um central sort of column pieces and stuff so we called it early which is as usual you know, usual. Kath, been on the phone I don't know again. Why she's not, I don't know why she's yeah. not calling. You two, what do you reckon we should do with these? Death Star, probably. Yeah, Death Star. Use them where you want, Kath. They're yours. You've paid for them. Do what you want with them. But if it were me, I'd make mm. a planet-sized laser refractor. Yeah. Of course, what you want to do as well is when all the all the prisoners have made all of those bits that you need, keep them on because there's like little holes in the Death Star little tiny little problems there you want to get them plugged in boarded up so keep them on they'll make those panels for you no all right then where do you get these plans from let's lad called urso he's really good he doesn't miss a thing <laughs> yeah. oh. really he's and then you can imagine they're all yeah they're all stood up there looking at the plans like a fucking hole no. <laughs> can't be he's the expert i mean this guy's look at his hair he's clearly smart and he wears gowns to work like this will be fine like if he says there needs to be a hole there for the exhaust put a bloody hole there dave what are you doing dave yeah it's like he's like relax this is not a boat yeah <laughs> water's not coming in anyway just what's Leave gonna it. happen yeah. and then after the death star's blown up the first time gets out <laughs> he's on his linkedin <laughs> don't like posting this but, but return 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 see more I was part of the engineering team on the desk and I did bring this up and, uh, you know, but here's to new opportunities. Start my new job next week. <laughs> yeah. TLDR. It was a fail. Yeah. I told him it was. They didn't listen. So now I'm working for the rebels. Better so luck we'll with the second that... one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better. Trust pilot reviews have plummeted. Yeah. Emperor's on the phone. Not, not, not. <laughs> Take down the post. Yeah. What? They don't know about the second one. <laughs> I'll do you a trap your... in four years for them. <laughs> That'll learn them. Do it now. <laughs> you and your rebel. 
Rebel match for the Death Star. Really? Oh, not this shit again. I saw a bit of LinkedIn post. I don't know what's going on here. Oh, anyway, that's the end. Come on. But yeah, come on, the come on. Uh, the post credit scene was awesome because it was almost like the opening credits that we've seen throughout every episode. You know, the Andor logo and that sort of fiery planet that comes up. It was the same sort of camera framing as that, but it was just the Death Star. So it was almost like um, everything had come full circle. You'd gone from the rebellion at the beginning of the episode and the credits. So now mm. the Death Star sort of looming over everything and the final piece. Well, the final piece is because it's not until Rogue One, is it, where we see them actually positioning that big dish thing yes. into place at the beginning. So you can tell that they're, I don't know, they're probably about two thirds of the way through. They're mm. just putting all the pieces um, together, which was great. So yeah, that was a great little scene, dude. And I'd much yeah, prefer that to some random Saw Gerrera moment at the end that they could have yeah. done, you know? So yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I think it was a, it was a nice callback. To, and I think for a lot of people that will help that will help people to just remember that it is related to, to all this other stuff. You know, I think a lot, sometimes you sort of need that red thread running through it. Um, let's pick a few, a few of the characters apart a little bit. And I'm actually, I don't want to start with Cassian or, or Luthen or any of those. Um, Cause I think we can spend a lot of time on those uh, because the funeral was just that well done. Um, let's start with Mon Mothma. Cause we didn't see her for that much. It, we saw the total predictable as you, as you called last week. The fact that she is doing the arranged marriage. And th- to be fair, the daughter seems fine with it because she was well up for the heritage. You know, there was no signs of her not being. Might be wrong, but didn't seem to be. She's up for the the, the, the heritage from Hosnian Prime, or Chandrilla, sorry. Um, it was, to me, it's sort of odd because it was the right amount of Mon, Mon Mothma. There was, I don't think there was anything more impactful they could have done than just that one scene showing she's just caved. Just the one thing. Mm. Yeah. And that was really all you needed. Mm. So you're right. Yeah, we didn't really need to see a whole other... Not that it was bad previously. Um, that made it sound negative. Not that we needed to see a whole other slew of scenes where she's trying her best to even out the creases in terms of transferring money around. And she knows that the Empire are going to start sniffing, which is why she's gone to this guy. And blah. So we've had... we've up to this point we know exactly where her mind's at right now she wasn't happy about it to begin with now she's like we said she would do she's come to that conclusion that this is the only way it's either you she sacrifices a little piece of her because she doesn't really want to do the arranged marriage thing although the fact that her daughter's up for it kind of helps i guess you know but still i think there's a bit of her that because her own marriage has been such a failure and she's not really in a she's married to somebody but they're not in love so she can see that she doesn't want that for her daughter so she has to sacrifice that or she walks away from the rebellion she can't do that because she's in deep now she's like knee deep in this far so yeah it was it was great to see that um it was great to see that realization as the viewer did at the same time it was like yeah this is something that's got to be done so yeah, she wasn't in a great deal, but I think that was that was paced perfectly, though, because now, as we go in season two, it'll be, okay, so where do we pick up now with these time jumps? Is her daughter older? she gone off and done her thing? Where, where are we going to see her? So, yeah, yeah, she was very cool in this and perfectly written, perfectly paced. 
Yeah, I agree, man. And it's, it's you know, the, the time jumps that we'll see as well, there will be different time periods apparently because according to what um, Gilroy says, it, it will literally be, it will walk into Rogue One, you know, the first scene of casting in Rogue One will, will, and just like Rogue One did with, with A New Hope. So... Um, yeah, I agree, man. I think it was perfectly done for Mon Mothma in, in this episode. And it was, for me, it was just that irony. Like, you're, you're fighting for, all the subterfuge, everything, it's all to do with fighting for freedom. And in order to gain freedom for everyone else, you have to commit your daughter to a lack of freedom. Um, and it yeah. was it was sort yeah. of a nice little parallel, again, which was, I think it's easy to, to miss that. I think it's easy to miss that and just sort of see it as, oh, well, it's just, you know, she's after the money. But the, I think it's it's the more you watch it, I would imagine that you'll start to un- unlock a few more of these different layers to Andor. It feels like it's one of those TV shows, um, which I thought was quite cool. Um, yeah, just to interject there, dude, mm. um, I think it was really cool that over the last couple of episodes you have seen, because when you've watched the films and some of the TV animated stuff, you almost get the feeling that the the rebels and their cause was a little bit um, a little bit glorified in a way. It was like, we're the good guys and we're badass because we're standing up to the Empire and this is all good. But you didn't see... In, in a way, it kind of parallels what we were talking about when you see the everyday people. You're now getting to see all the sacrifices that have been made to get the rebellion to that point in the first place. So you just mentioned about her daughter being sacrificed in a little bit, her freedom, so that there's a bigger freedom to be mm. won. Um, but that's also what Luthan said to the dude who's the spy in the ISB. They basically said to each other, we've committed and now we've sacrificed everything to do this. So now we're kind of paying the price internally a little bit so that everybody else can have a freer galaxy so yeah i know exactly what that's easy to miss that undertone of immense sacrifice from these sort of early plays within the rebellion dude yeah i agree and that that leads nicely on to luther actually because you, you know you talk about this idea that and we said it before like you only see the major pieces in the movies and even in rebels yeah you know and in, in the clone wars you see it's very clear good versus bad um and we, we had a little bit with Saw Gerrera where it wasn't wasn't necessarily that clear cut. Yeah. But a board of you, <laughs> Saw Gerrera, as it goes, actually. <laughs> Mark's not a fan of her. Uh... She's not a fan. All right. Got a little too close to the edge. <laughs> stood in his damn cave where's he got that from anyway the cave what do you want what are you after what are you after <laughs> what are you after saw we've just moved into this cave what do you want we can get you a fridge get you a door for this cave so that you're not cool give me a ball gullet what is a ball gullet <laughs> here we go <laughs> what is a ball gullet wikipedia <laughs> it you'll find it wikipedia it Wikipedia, <laughs> you'll find it. Yeah. Oh my word! Well, where oh, are we going to keep meta. that? Boar gullet cage. <laughs> oh, right, got one of those, have you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calm well, down. Why dude. has he got it? I know it's for interrogating, but how many people does he inter- interrogate in his secret, never to be found cave? Do you know what I mean? Oh God, bored gullet. Anyway. 
Worms open. Yeah, oh, can of. Yeah. What were we saying? We're about Luton, weren't we? We're yeah. about Luton. Mm. Oh, you yeah. saying about Luton. Yeah. Yeah, I was. And uh, <laughs> yeah, all it is, he's a bad guy, but he's not, is he? So that's the fun thing about him. He, uh, it was interesting to see how the intention of, of Luton going to kill Cassian and wrap up that loose end. And then I think almost being a little bit impressed that he'd clocked him and found him and, you know, got onto his ship at the end and almost that little bit of grudging respect. Um, you know, is that the catalyst that takes him from being, you know, just the loose end that you've got to tie up that you just use as a blunt instrument in the, in the raid to being someone that actually maybe we can trust this guy because look, his mother did this. His dad was killed by the empire. Um, you know, is that the little catalyst moment, if you like? I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. And it was, it's difficult to judge as well because of his cheeky little grin at the end. That was difficult to get your head around. It's like, is he happy that Andor's still alive? And now that things have changed a little bit, so maybe they can team up again and do that stuff. Or is he kind of grinning because he's like, right, I've got you. I've sort of got you in the net and I can do what I want with you. I can kill you if I want and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's difficult, man. I've got a question for you about Luthan. And this is something that I've seen online quite a bit this week, over the last week. And that is... Is he the ball people, gullet? Is he the ball gullet? No, he's right, not. Good. But is he a Jedi? A lot of people have said that. Is Luthan a Jedi? Because he seems to have a, a lot of a lot of experience in terms of... You know, some Jedi are just conversationally, you know, can steer people to their way mm. of thinking and steer people around, not necessarily using like mind control or, you know, any force power mm. or anything, but they've just got that ability. And then his kind of badassness in the ship where he took down the TIE fighters, cool as a cucumber, did all that stuff. And now he's kind of shaping these bits of the rebellion as he needs to or as he wants to. And, um, he seems to have just a bit of extra foresight as well. He kind mm. of, he can see. So what do you reckon? A lot of people have said that he could be, but I'm not sure. I think we need to see another couple of eps, really. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, he dresses like one. He loves a cloak. Yep, that's one thing. Yep. Um, and you're right, he's got the agility. He's got the, in order to pilot like Anakin and Luke, and Hera, not Hera Syndulla, but like any of the other, what's the other Twi'lek called? Anyway, um, the one that we see in uh, Clone Wars. But in order to pilot like those and to have that kind of dexterity, you know, he's either really, really good or like you say, he's got a bit of precog going on. Um, my gut tells me probably not just because I think it would, I'm not sure Tony Gilroy would want that for Andor. Because if you've got a Jedi on side, you, would you rely on the Jedi too much with the Rebellion? Um, now, that leads mm. me to my second kind of thought around is probably not. Would a Jedi be hiding that plainly in sight? Because there weren't that many of them. Someone on the Senate would know that he was a Jedi, surely. Surely. Do you think um, so? Because I, He's on point, Coruscant. Oh, true, yeah. He's, on, he's not like out on an outer rim world or he's not on Ferrix himself, is he? But having said that, he does disguise his ass when he's on Coruscant. He's the master of disguise, isn't he? Yeah. He's good at it. 
Yeah. So it's I think interesting. there's a small chance that he could be. I think it's small. I, I agree. There is a mm. chance because everything that you said is totally valid, man. And it's yeah. You, you if you if you if you go into it thinking that, I think you can spot things that will reinforce that. But mm. I think it's only a small chance, personally. I think it's too. Yeah. I think it's too too Star Wars for Andor, if that makes sense. I know exactly what you mean. I was going to say that it'd be cool if he wasn't, because you'd want mm. the you'd want this side of this side of BBY to be more around the human aspect of them people wanting to stand up to the rebellion because of the the um the tyranny you know and the oppression you wouldn't want it to be i've got some vendetta against you know some force related stuff you know this is not um this is not the skywalker stuff right so yeah i, I think it would be cool if he wasn't but there's, i think there is a small chance that he could yeah be. i mean what is it, 10, 11 years? No, it's more than that, 14 years or so in the timeline since Order 66. So I don't know, maybe. I mean, people change a lot in 14 years. You yeah, know? true. Could true. be. It could be. Um, would you stay where the Emperor is? You know, Can you hide your false sensitivity from the Emperor that well for that long? I don't know. Mm. And then you've got the whole Inquisitors thing as well. Those dudes are very good at tracking down Jedi and stuff. So would they have been on him by now? Don't know. Oh, he takes a tip I mean, off, yeah. doesn't it? Like, this lad's got a lot of Jedi shit, <laughs> like, in his shop. He's got a shop. Yeah. It's a bit out there, isn't it? He's got all <laughs> Just have a look into him. Mm. Just find some way to get, you know, a reason to fingerprint his ass. You know what I mean? So it's... <laughs> I don't know. I'd, yeah, there would have to. It would have to be very, very well explained how he's getting away with it. However, I think based on what they've done with season one, I think they can. They've got the talent and the skills to explain it in a satisfactory way. Yes. Yeah. Tony Gilroy, I think, has got the chops to to do that in a way that's not in your face, on the nose. Yeah. Like, yay! Play the Star Wars theme. It's more like, you know, uh, subtle. I think yeah. it's the name of the game, yeah. I agree, dude. Yes. Let's get to the funeral then, because that was the tension that had built. The, the the two factions, you know, the Empire, the ISB, you know, squaring up against the funeral goers on Ferrix. Um, the two marching bands, the, the logistics of that scene. Um, Cassian up in one sort of crow's nest. You've got Luthan, you've got Cyril, um, you've got Mira, you've got... Um, everyone all within 50 60 yards of each other drawing in together like a net around marvel's holo, holo, uh, hologram i was gonna say holocron and dude that was one of the for me one of the best set pieces out of all of star wars it was just excellently done it was excellently done yeah it was fantastic that because it wasn't so much around the the action scene that you might have expected from a Star Wars episode. Which, and we saw a lot of that in The Mandalorian where you'd have these set pieces that were not so much around building tension, but just all out, uh, you know, blaster battles and, and all the rest of it. This was a lot more around the, the build-up and the, the, and the growing tension. It was almost like, it was almost documentary style in the way that it was done. It was more, it was less kind of cinematic typical star warsy it was more around there's a person down there with a with a camcorder 
<laughs> you know, checking out what's going on in this in real thing that's going on because it was real it was gritty and it had that kind of grunginess to it where you where the things because there was a really good moment as well which we forgot to mention where the dude where his dad had been killed i think by the isb or something previously and he was building that thing in his in a workshop and you think yeah and you thought that's a bomb that's going to be a bomb and then you knew it was coming so at some point in the in the uh skirmish he lets it go Bosh, that was it. That was the the catalyst to then really kick it all off. And then it was just this other... It was like this thing happened and it's really tense. And then um, Marva's um, hologram message and then the tension builds up. And then you thought, right, they reckon they know where Andor is. He's up in that building, so they go and find him. And he's not there. It's another layer. So it's all of these layers of tension that just built up to this explosion. And I think it was maybe a more of a... Um, like a small scale metaphor, I suppose, for what's really going on in the wider story. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Star Wars at a really top level, you could explain to somebody that the Emperor took over. He now wants to rule the galaxy and some rebels fought back. You know, that's it. Whereas this, you could see that this was actually happening on a it was happening on a um on a sort of level that just kept layering up and up and up and to the point where it just kicked on it was it was so well done. And I, I love the fact that it was done more kind of in-your-face documentary, shaky cam style, rather than big sweeping, you know, camera movements and stuff, mm. like it would have done in The Mandalorian, to a degree. So yeah, the funeral scene stuff was, it was so good. And it was a highlight for the series, dude. Yeah, it was, man. It felt, everything felt tight about it. There was no wasted time. Um, you know, and that crescendo of, 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 of you know, Marva's speech and a eulogy to herself um leading to the tension which then you know like you said was catalyzed by the bomb going off and then you know exploded into all out fighting and, and sort of insurrection uh, from the empire's perspective um all all against the backdrop of you know Cassian being hunted by two sets of people whilst also breaking bigs out and trying to get out with her and and you know and 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 also that kind of these little threads of of mirror and cyril and you know cyril finally saving her and that weird awkward kind of really well put together sort of tension not tension sort of weird you know what's going on there like just were they gonna bang basically in that store cupboard yeah 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 is mira gonna get nearer yes she can (laughs) (laughs) so i did think you know i was like is this going to happen? Are we going to see a, yeah. a, a bit of a, some sexy time in Star Wars? I would have been chuffed for him. I would have been like, dude, <laughs> you've put your time in. Eat that, mum, you fuck. Take your he's blue milk. His, he's earned his stripes with that he one. He has. He really he camped out weeks, that lad. And I don't mean to throw any shade against the actor. He's a bit adult here, but he looks like he hasn't had any for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Fair yeah. play. Yep. I get it. Yep. So uh, anyway, <laughs> there was a lot anyway. of there was a lot of stuff going on together concurrently, which I thought was really good, and uh, it was just it was just well put together, and just the the way you can build tension through not that much going on, you know, just people move almost like moving in you know circles, getting tighter and tighter and tighter, step by step, the ability. Um, to tell a story that does that, I think you can't tell that kind of story if the pacing 
had been any different to what it has been in Andor. I think, like you said, if it had been grand Mandalorian style, you know, a big sort of tapestry of, of grandiose storytelling where you're visiting different planets and you've got different, very specifically different types of scenery and ships and uh, species, you know, I, th- I think it, it has, it has kept to the most part to humans, some droids, a little bit of non-human life, and I think with that, it ju- that is why you got the tension, man. And that scene for me, that entire set piece, just brought it all together. Um, I thought it was really, really well done. And I think, I think it's it's interesting that Diego Luna didn't have. He had a lot to do. Don't get me wrong; like he was he was busy in this episode. But he didn't, there was nothing that was um, grandstanding. There was nothing that was like a standout. All right, here's the one part of it that is Cassian's and everything else are all these other stories. It was made up of these little moments, you know, the moment touching the brick that was presumably made up of his dad's ashes. You know, these little moments, you know, looking after Biggs, you know, putting them on the ship at the end and then leaving again and saying, I'll find you. Um you know, going to take care of his business with Luthien and not letting him get away with it. There were so many little moments that added up to this complexity, whereas I think a lot of the time with Star Wars, especially in the sequel trilogy, it's the big moment. So it's, you know, the, the movies, the sequels in particular, a lot of the time, especially Rise of Skywalker, for me, felt like it was just like, here's a big scene, here's a big scene 30 minutes later, like, what's the bit in the middle? It's, yeah, we'll figure that out, it'll be all right. You know, whereas this was different. It was, it was again, it was to keep bringing it up. It was a little bit Breaking Baddy, a little bit Sopranosy, where if you were to sit on this and, and to look at it episode by episode, you wouldn't be able to say that much had happened. But when you step back and look at it, you're like, oof, that was really fulfilling. Like, that is just, that's not left me wanting anything, which is, you can't always say that about Star Wars. You know, there's only a few things that aren't, I suppose, aren't the original trilogy that for me make you say that I think most of the Clone Wars most of Rebels some of the books and maybe like the last third of Revenge of the Sith for me and maybe a couple of bits in Force Awakens that make you feel right I've got what I needed from that you know mm. yeah yeah and I think it's something that we've commented on throughout this whole season really it's um, although some fans would say that it's slow and not much is going on those those bits really, and in, on reflection, looking at some of the the things that we spoke about in the earlier part of the season and some of the scores, on reflection, it's probably those quieter moments that are worth more more gold than the bigger pieces because that's your that's your context for why this stuff is happening. It's not just the rise of Skywalker, like you said, big set piece, fumble around for a bit, big set piece, fumble around for a bit. That's you don't build any connection to anything. So when the big set piece does happen and somebody dies or something happens, you're just like, yeah, yeah, that was a cool thing. Yeah, I got to see some lightsabers there and loads of blaster stuff and some good aerial stuff. But me, that was that was cool. But me, whereas this, you're like, no, 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 no. Like you're you're actually feeling like when Marvel's speech is going on, you're like, shit, this is powerful and you you get it and you connect with it so yeah those are the bits that are worth their weight in gold to me dude yeah man for sure and, and kevin's just actually commented um 
just regards to the things that fulfill you outside of the movies and the TV shows. Um, just saying Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, I would totally agree. They were two books that featured um, a slew of the same characters. And I'd also add to that because it's a Dooku, for me, that's the Dooku and the Qui-Gon sort of arc. Um, I would add to that as a bit of a trilogy, um, Tales of the Jedi as well, the bits where they're involved in Tales of the Jedi. Mm. Um and and because you're right, like the, the the those things that Kevin mentioned, Master and Apprentice and, and and Dooku Jedi Lost, they're about characters with nuance. They're about detail. They're about the why. They're not about the what, which a lot of Star Wars is like what, right? We're fighting bad guys. You know, the it's the why. You know, why did Dooku fall to the dark side? What why why was Cypher Dias the one that was thrown under the bus? And then Master and Apprentice, you know, why did Qui-Gon turn down um, the, the seat on the Jedi Council? Why why does he trust Obi-Wan so much? And, you know, what happened to his older, Dooku's old apprentice and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot in there. And I think some of the best Star Wars right now is being told around that why. Um, there's mm. another one. I think it's a Claudia Gray one as well, Lost Stars. I'm Lost sure Stars. it is Claudia Gray. Yep. And that's these two star-crossed lovers, you know, one's on the Empire side, one's on the Rebellion side. They're both good people, you know, to their own to their own ends. Um, and I think that's what's fascinating about Star Wars fandom is that they don't, like the why sort of annoys them. You know, if you tell why stories instead of just big what stories, like they don't seem to want it. Like they don't, Star Wars fandom at the minute doesn't seem to want anything. It's like everything, you know, someone will whine about something. I suppose that's the downside of being such a big IP. But um, it, it's interesting because if, I think if you look at some of the Luke Skywalker stuff in like Mandalorian and all that, the reason we like it is, yeah, sure, it's Luke, but a lot of it is the why. Like what happened with Ahsoka and Luke? Like why did we not know about Ahsoka? Why did we not know about um, what happened to Luke. And I think when you start to see, it's the interactions, isn't it? You know, people lost their shit for Luke and Ahsoka, rightly so. It's it, it's, it's always interaction. Um, and mm. I think on reflection, that's what, that's what in the bits that was really good in Obi-Wan, because there were some bits that were like good, but just a little bit, mm, could have been done a little better. But the bits that were really good, you know, I'm, I'm talking here about, um, the bits where you got the character of Obi-Wan, you know, either at the beginning where he was a bit jaded and a little bit nervous around the force and a little bit scared of using it, a bit out of practice, to the bits where he was reactivated at the end and he was he was, he was was giving out to Anakin. You know, that scene, regardless of whether you like the fight or not or whether it was Obi-Wan or whether it was silly that he let him live, you know, regardless of what you think of all of that, the interactions and the why between them are what made that so good. Um, and it makes you wonder, uh, which is, this is quite a weird question, but like, is this just a, like a reflection of a more modern audience? You know, we question things more, don't we? Because we've got the internet, we've got social, we can, we can question things with more people and we can positively reinforce any of our opinions with other people. And we can also scrutinize stories differently and we can go deeper into things like, do you think like a more modern audience or do you think today's audience need things more like Andor than the fantasy of a new hope, for example, like would a new hope fly today, you know, because would the audiences lap it up or would it be seen as simplistic? I don't know. Yeah. I think the whole, the, the entire movie and TV business is, I think is 
catering for the modern I, th- I think it definitely is dude because if you were to put a new hope out now you'd have the same criticism that you have with andor where people are saying that it's edited too slowly it's cut together slow there are scenes that are just feel longed out in terms of pacing and stuff it doesn't have whereas if you were if you if you kind of peer into those things and with a little bit more of a, a wider lens then you kind of get why that's been done there, there was a reason why you know George Lucas set scenes where there's nothing happening on the Millennium Falcon than just Han and Obi-Wan talking about if the force is real or not the viewer doesn't give a shit at that point whether they, whether they think it's real or not they just want to see somebody get a light so but back then it was an appreciation for you know, the storytelling, but now on reflection, when you look back, which is why I think so many times now when people absolutely slate something and it just gets really binned so much. And then you fast forward 10 years and everyone's like, that was actually really good. Wasn't it? That was actually like pretty solid. I think it's for that very reason. Like you try and write for your audience at the time and then you end up sort of writing yourself into a bit of a trap almost. But with Andor, it feels like it's like the reverse completely. It's like we don't want to pander to fans and we want to try something new and we want, you know, to give you an insight into what's happening in and around what's going on with the rebellion, but we don't want to give it to you on the nose. So we'll see how this goes. So, yeah, I think they could have very easily gone that way. And I hate rubbishing people, you know, we muck around and have a laugh about Kath and stuff like that. But I think if she'd have gone down heavy on this and picked a director and picked a storyteller, we would have just had another Mandalorian we would have just had another one so fair play big time to Tony Gilroy and the other dude who was the other dude that was in on it um Toby Haynes was it yeah fair play to those guys man for really pitching something and giving the freedom a little bit to to do that so yeah writing for a modern audience definitely but also with a, a degree of risk but it's paid off I think for sure yeah I agree man I think we've got to remember as well like when it comes to pacing, holy crap, we used to deal with, like, Smallville was 22 episodes a season. It's like, a slog, right? It, and there was Freak of the Week in every single season, like 10 times, 12 times, 14 times. And then, like, the ones that progressed the actual story out of the episodes were, like, few and far between, one in every five, you know, one in every three or four, maybe. We had seasoned, there was a fucking TV show called 24, right? And you know what I mean? So it was, it was... It was, and it was, it was fine for, I mean, I loved 24, the first five seasons, maybe, um, were fantastic, but the pacing had to be like that to tell the story. And when, you know, when Jack did get kidnapped or when he, when he was on, on smack in season three, you felt for him because you knew him because of that, mm. you know? So it's a, it, yeah, it's a very... It is. It's a different. It's a different world, man. It's a different audience. Um, all right, we're going to stick a pin in it in just one second, but I do want to give a one big honourable shout out, um, which I think for me was stole the entire show. Um, just made it. You know, without I think without this, it wouldn't have been the finale that it was, and that is Trevor from EastEnders. And I just want to shout out. Mm. You know, he 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 knows how to deal with a, a cock up. You know, he's like, hey, that's your cock up. It's my arse. You know, he's like, <laughs> he knows what's on the line. All right. It's his ass on the line here. He's still got to work there. All right. <laughs> I want to see more of Trevor getting drunk on the steps, 
thinking, what have I done? Because it's yeah. about time that he reflected on it all. Yeah, Thanks, I mean, I had that on, on my notes as well. It's a big, uh, big shout out to uh, to old Trev, and uh, bless him. He's trying to he's trying to put the wrongs right, but I don't know. He's he's like a like a bad penny. Like whenever he turns up, like Cyril just gets his ass kicked, and then someone else gets their ass kicked, and it's domino effect. Oh, you know. God. So fair play for the uh, for the tenacity to keep going, but I don't know. I mean, I think we should see more of him for comedy value. Oh, he's I think, lovely. I think Khan's really got to question his his involvement moving forward. You've got to think, Anyam. You know, you see your phone call come in. He's on Zoom, on one of those little Zoom computers. Um, yep. And you've got to think to yourself, right, incoming call. Who is it? Fucking hell, it's Trevor from EastEnders. How about here? And then you sort of uh, decline. A little one of those automated text messages. Can't talk busy. Also, never call again, because you just get me in trouble <laughs> all the time, Trevor. Which I think, between you and me, is just going to push Trevor into a bit of a descending spiral. So now in my mind, you know when he's, he's drinking at the end of Andor, the finale, he's on the steps, he's like, oh, shit, he's all going wrong, what can I do? He's, all, <laughs> he's a mess, right? I think he's whipped out the old comlink, right? Flip phone, whipped it out, swiping down. Straight to Little Mo's number from EastEnders. Drunk text. Yeah. You up. <laughs> She's like, you up. aren't you dead? <laughs> <laughs> first, you died 20 years ago. First message. You up. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a time difference. I'm on Ferrex. Don't know where you yeah. are. Who is where it? Dead. Trevor oh, from EastEnders. <laughs> Do you know what? Without realizing this, we've made him Barry from EastEnders. I never realized that we'd actually just pegged him. Like you know, in in, in extras, it's like, oh, it's Barry. From, it's not Sean Williamson. It's Barry from EastEnders. We've done that yes. to poor Trevor. Sorry, Trev. Sorry, Trev. Oh dear. Good shout though. Yeah, good shout out for him. Yeah. Oh, here we go. One from Kevin. Luthen is a Jedi. There is a short story in Star Wars Insider from a few years ago that mentions a Jedi that went into hiding and sold antiques. That's pretty badass. You know, I've got a Ooh. load of Star Wars Insider. That uh, Pascal yeah. sent me, but I've just, I've not read them because I'm lazy. Ooh, that's pretty cool. If you know what issue that is, Kevin, let us know, please, because I'd love to read that. And uh, another one from Kev, um, his real name is Rail Avaros, which, mm. Avaros, the one from Master and Apprentice? An Apprentice, yeah. Let's Google that. Google as we speak. Oh, shit, it is. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, you're a legend. Yeah, we're He's a top guy, that. Kev. Yep. Wow. Yep. So maybe Rail, maybe Luthen is actually Avaros, who was the um, who was the apprentice that we mentioned, Dooku's former apprentice next to Qui Gon, who comes up in Master and Apprentice. Wow. He's force sensitive. Yeah, and he doesn't quite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Avaros. Wow. There I didn't know that. The last time I knew of Avaros was was he in? I know he's in Master and Apprentice, a major character on that planet as like the Guardian. But is he in? Uh, is he in Dooku Jedi Lost as well? I can't remember. I think he does. He have like a passing scene with Obi Wan or whatever. He's in a flashback scene in Jedi that's Lost. It. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Kevin, wow, that's pretty cool, man. That is pretty cool. That's why He's I like, why guy, I like doing Kev. this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, it's known Kev for a while. Oh, it's not a contest. Top is lad, it? show off. All right, top lad. <laughs> Brilliant artist as well, Kev. Amazing yeah? 3D artist. Yeah, kicks oh. ass. Yeah. No, nice. mm, good. 
and a wealth of Star Wars knowledge, clearly. Yeah, big time. I love it. I love it. Kevin will have to get you on the show, obviously, as a patron. Uh, come along. But yeah, yeah. let us know what episode that is or what, what issue, if you know. If you know. Uh, I won't mind reading that one. That is pretty sweet. Um, all right, dude. So, two solid nine and a nine and a half. Um, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that one, does it, dude? Pretty solid scores, though. You can't argue. There's no way we'd come on and go, that's a five. Yeah. What no stopped way. you giving it a ten? What stopped me giving it a ten? Um, do you know what it was? I think it was just the the scenes where we had Luthan just standing around watching. So, I, I totally get it. You know, at that point, he's just an observer. I totally get that and why he was just there. But it, it wasn't until the very closing scene that he had a few words exchanged with, with Cassian. It just would have been cool if he had had a bit more influence on what was going on in the funeral scene. Because he is, you know, at the mm. end of the day, not directly doing it right now at that point, but he is kind of wanting this to happen. This is what he wants. He wants the people to fight back. So I would have thought that he would have done a little bit more to to push and nudge people in the direction of fighting back a little bit more. But I get why he was written as an observer. It just would have been cool to see him, yeah. you know, involved a little bit more. Fair play, dude. Fair play. I'm still blown away that we'd never made that connection between rail and rail being the same name. Dude. Can't believe we didn't get that. Brilliant. Kevin's a genius, man. That's You know what I'm like. I love connecting shit up like that. Love it. He loves Kevin, it. Kevin, you've love changed it. my absolute world with that. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, unbelievable um all right team listen thank you so much for joining us for episode 180 of spark of rebellion It's always fun, isn't it? Getting to do this. I think next week, um, I think, we'll, I don't know, what do you want to do? Do you want to do a bit of news, Gaz, or do you want to dig into Tales of the Jedi? Maybe we should do it, because, I don't know. Do you reckon we should do a bit of news? Let's do a little bit of news. Do a bit of news, If then. there's anything worthy. Permission granted. Yeah. Any permission. Use it as you wish. Wow. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Office. <laughs> Office quotes notwithstanding, we will be back next week with on another. his mother's grave well so well so uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Spark of Rebellion episode 181 edging ever closer to the magic 200 which is actually insane I reckon we'll hit 200 you know around three years after the launch date May the 4th I reckon it'll be around roughly around then didn't um, plan it take a few weeks yeah didn't plan it in the end yep. But uh, it will, I think, land very closely to that. So thank you for listening. If you do want to get involved over on Patreon, if you want to get involved like Kevin has uh, on some of the live stream comments, so on and so forth, and get the episode early, you can do so at sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon. And you can choose whether you're a light sider or a dark sider, can't you? So go over there and take your pick. I'll be back next week, and I'm sure Mr. Gazlar will. And uh, as always, dude, thank you very much. It's been a laugh. Yeah, it's been a laugh. Thank you very much, dude. It's been great to talk through the last episode of Andor. And uh, yeah, hopefully some news next week. We can update our dear listener on what's going on in a galaxy far, far away. Cheers, Kev. Your insight has been solid as always. And to our other patrons, thank you guys for supporting us. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Until next week for episode 181. So take care of yourselves and may the force be with you always.